our ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. In the end, it's our ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. Thank you for tuning in to Up Close with Monique McNeil. I am your host, Monique McNeil. And on today's show, we're going to discuss a lot of different issues that are happening right at the brink of our fingertips and is happening to our children. Our children who have disabilities, who are already faced with so much and not able to just get the same treatment as certain situations. So today on the show, I have Heather Kennedy Clegg. She's a disabilities advocate and mediator. She's a founder of Rhode Island Disability Community Resources. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. And today I have Suzanne Arena. She's a founder of Decoding Dyslexia Rhode Island and parent student advocate and activist. So today we're going to talk about the broken, the Rhode Island's broken promise. What is that? What is the Rhode Island's broken promise? Rhode Island's broken promise is a scholarship, promise scholarship, something that Rhode Island has created to help students attend community college, be able to afford it, and become more productive, uh, have more opportunities to be productive. And that promise does not apply to students with disabilities because of the requirements of this scholarship. It requires full-time status, although you could go three quarters <laughs> And it requires that you complete it within two years. And many students with disabilities need an accommodation of a flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. need to go part-time. Maybe they need to take time off. However, it doesn't mean that they won't achieve the degree and be as successful when they leave school. So how- um, there's, one, there's one more piece to that, too, that um, children with disabilities in Rhode Island often take um, – it's called an enrichment program in high school. So you have up till age 22 to take enrichment. And there's one other requirement in it that says at the age of 19 that you are unable to then go into the scholarship program. So they would be, you know, prohibited from doing that. And so if children are getting out at 20 years old, they don't have an opportunity to do that. And that's just, that's wrong. Exactly. And there have been students who have tried to use the Promise Scholarship, students with disabilities who have been dropped from the program because they couldn't meet the standards requirement of full-time or three-quarter time status or even the GPA requirement, which is a little unfair because the Pell Grant and federal grants require a 2.0, but the Promise Scholarship requires a 2.5. There have been parents or students with disabilities who've come forward who didn't even bother applying to college or the scholarship because they knew they couldn't meet those requirements. And so in my mind and those other people I've spoken to, it's a broken promise to our children with disabilities and to adults with disabilities who are trying to access community college like their typical peers. They just need a little bit more time. And frankly, not only is it unfair, but it's illegal. Correct. And that it would make it illegal because it's a federally funded program. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. According to the Americans with Disabilities Act, any program 
and Rehab Act of 1974, any program that receives federal funding, education, institutions has to follow the requirements within the law, which is to make sure they don't have programs or activities that discriminate on any level, mm. which is usually access, right? Wheelchair ramp, et cetera. But access can also be accommodations, which in our discussion has to do with timeline requirements for these students. And as Suzanne mentioned, age of 19 is also discriminatory because a lot of students with disabilities, not a lot, some students with disabilities graduate later mm-hmm. at, in our state up to the age of 22. So that automatically disqualifies them from going to community college and, and accessing this. Right. And, and Monique, you know, the fact of the matter is that you have a group of students that they are encompassing. So they look at um, your race, your gender. Um, they're looking at these other factors, but nowhere does it talk about students with disabilities, which blows my mind because you look at all the other states that offer free college um, scholarships. That's part of what they do. So I don't know. You know, we, we, we do love this program. We think it's an awesome program. Do we think Rhode Island needs it? Yes. Our governor, um, Gina Raimondo, has said, or former governor, has said many times that they can't find enough qualified people. Well, they can't because, you know, first of all, we, we put kids in a high school, we, we push them out right. when they're not even academically ready to go to college. So they get to college, they're not, um, they're, they're, they're taking remedial classes. It's like 87% of the student population is taking um, remedial classes. And yet that's part of their scholarship program for college. I mean, it's still really an extenu- it's, it's extenuating their high school um, we should be charging actually the, I think the districts to say, you didn't fully educate your child. You have to, you know, here's your bill for that. Um, but we love the program itself. We just, we know that it, it needs to have um, inclusiveness and, and they're not, they're not inclusive, including these kids. So, so no, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I was just going to talk about background a little bit, how we discovered this issue and, I, would, I was just about to ask you that. How did this issue even come about? Because, you know, it, and it's my pleasure to have to bring the awareness to this issue. Um, that That's part of my my models to really bring a voice to the voiceless and to really peel back the layers on issues that people, ordinary people don't think about and to start up that dialogue of change. So I was going to ask you, how did, how did this even come to your, your, your foresight? How did you even become aware of that there was even an issue? Originally, um, my friend Colleen Brophy and I were in the process of transitioning our seniors, you know, as, to leave high school. And the next step for them would be community college. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we also knew with doctor support and input that full time wouldn't be the best bet for them to start. It would kind of set them up for failure. So mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it. I just I just contacted student disabilities office at the community college and said, hey, I see that the Promise Scholarship requires three quarter or full time. What are the details on this? And is there a waiver or accommodation for students with doctor support, et cetera, to, to do this uh, slower rate? And their response was, it needs to be done in two years. And it, ha- or you get dropped from the program. It was a little confusing because first they said, oh, well, they can make up the classes in the summer as long as they complete it in those two years, which really kind of infuriated me because I said, 
think thought to myself, okay, so my daughter doesn't get to have a summer to work, et cetera, like other people. Mm-hmm. She, because she's doing disability, has to go slower pace, therefore mm-hmm. she works for the summer. And it just started this dialogue back and forth of me trying to understand the policy and why it was the way it was. And then I reached out to, reached out to Suzanne, who incidentally has a son in college. Yes. Um, so my son actually did high school enrichment through his school for um, the first uh, the first semester, and he took two classes. So he wasn't technically graduated, and a lot of schools do this for kids. And he had turned 19, um, and then he went and applied for CCRI and got in. And we asked for a reduced court caseload. So uh, course load, sorry. Um, and they he was granted to do three, he was 15 credits. It was under 15 credits. So a, a gen ed kid who doesn't have any issues, like have a disability, they would do 30 credits. So he's doing half the class. And then um, they said that would be fine. Heather reached out to me and said, hey, did you know, I actually I saw an online petition. And I, I was like, what the heck is this all about? And it had to do with CCRI. So I immediately contacted her and she filled me in. And I was very upset because I, my son, when he had enrolled and even we were going through the process, they never said, by the way, if your son doesn't complete this within two years, you are going, he's going, he's going to be responsible for having to pay, which to me didn't make sense because I look at the formula. Mm-hmm. So I look at the formula. If the kid that is special ed is doing half the credits, they're paying half the money. So that's instead of six thousand dollars, you're giving them three. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing that. They're going to need twice as long to do this, right? But they're, you know, what they're doing is they're cutting these kids off. And Heather was saying, "Oh no, your son's going to have to pay." So I started reaching out to my people mm. um, in the dyslexia community, and I found a mom who has a son. She has three kids that are dyslexic, and her oldest son, um, who's been in the program, he, after two years, they said, "You're going to have to pay." So she's been paying for two years for her son. She didn't even know about this. And so, and, and it's, it's really infuriating. I mean, it, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's criminal, but it's almost like the school really is obligated. Um, and it's a new program. I, you know, you can't blame them 100%. I mean, we learn as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't, they didn't tell us and say, by the way, this is what you're going to have to do. So until Heather told me, I knew nothing, and I was 110% in once she told me. So we need to have this changed. It's pretty simple. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and uh, sorry, I was going to say, can you explain now? Having the school make changes, it would be just uh, called a policy change, but you we're looking for something bigger. We're we're actually looking for legislative action um, going forward. What does that mean? Uh, in the future, and what what does that mean for uh, the 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 legis the actual law that is written and going forward for any child who's disabled? Right. So, right. back on this, when I contacted the community college and we started getting this conversation going, and they were kind of you know with the facts, their current they have a policy for the Promise Scholarship, a, a little pamphlet explains all the rules, and the policy and the pamphlet basically mirrors the language in the legislation. So, for example, mm-hmm. there's an exception for people who are in the military. They're, they can deploy. They're not going to get dropped from the program. Okay. And then there's 
medical, major medical stuff, you know, if you got in a car accident and you need the semester, et cetera, you can have a waiver granted. But there wasn't anything for students with disabilities, any kind of accommodation. And in this kind of back and forth, we uncovered lots of other things like the age of 19. And I've had parents come forward and say, our students come forward saying, hey, not only was I dropped the program, I was given the bill for the time I was in school because I didn't meet the requirements. And they came back and said, actually there was an article in, in the news about it and said, oh, well, we're gonna review our policy and see what we can do to change this. We'll review it in the next few months. And my questions were immediate, and I think Suzanne can jump on board on that. I, was, I asked them, okay, well, what are you looking at changing the policy? How can you change the policy if it's designed a certain way in the law? So where do you see your flexibility? Will people like myself or student with disability be a part of this conversation? What is the timeline? Are you going to take into account those that have been dropped from the program, those who have been turned away from the program, which we should get back to later because there's this whole like discriminatory process when you apply? And uh, what happens to students who need this accommodation that how many have requested or been rejected? And they respond that they're working on it, they're, they're doing what they can, there's some things they can change and they can change, but when it really comes down to it, it all falls under the law. Because even their current policy mirrors the language of how the law is written. Right. So right. if we make the law inclusive, which it should be according to federal laws, right, and Rhode Island laws about accessibility and not discriminating as people with disabilities, right. then it's no big deal. And, and Suzanne's probably going to jump on board in a second, but to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. You just add in some language saying responsibility for students with disabilities, accommodation for, you know, change in scheduling or timeline expectations, et cetera. It's, it's, it's just a few sentences in my mind. It's, right. it's not that big of a deal. And right. those sentences will be reflected in how CCR acts. Right. And that's why you and said, I, go ahead, Suzanne, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I completely agree, and that's, you know, one of the things is, you know, having inclusivity and equity when it comes to laws is acknowledging the classification of type of person that you're looking at, whether they're Black, um, they're, they're Hispanic, they're um, disability, um, gender, you know, whatever that is. You have to be inclusive to those people. And so uh -huh. here we are uh -huh. in 2021 looking at something. We, we rolled out a new program. And, you know, sometimes when you roll out a program, you don't really always see what needs to be tweaked. And basically, instead of saying, oh, my God, you forgot all the, dis you know, the people with disabilities, we just said basically, hey, you know, you just have to fix this. Uh -huh. And this is the way it is. Um, all the all the organizations that we've talked to that work with people with disabilities, um, students specifically, are are kind of thinking that this is a simple fix, and why are you having such a hard time? So, Monique, I'll share with you. Um, I had written in to the Speaker of the House for the General Assembly, and I said, you know, we have this thing. I'd really like to see it fixed. Um, you know, actually, I, I will say the the Student Disability Center at CCRI has been wonderful. They really have been great to my son. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but we need to go above. And so I, I ended up writing um, to the woman at, who runs the program of, uh, at CCRI, the school. 
And she said, well, I need to check with the dean. So she went to the dean and the dean said, you know, we're going to honor all this stuff. Just kind of what Heather said. We're going to honor this. We see this as an issue. You're right. Um, We're just waiting for the legislation to kind of match up so we can honor it. You know, we're going to honor it, but we just want to see it in the law. Okay, cool. So I turned around and I wrote to the Speaker of the House and I said, hey, you know, we, we have this issue and I know you're aware of it. Um, can we get this written into the law? And he basically said, I did my research. I contacted the dean of the college and we're all set. You know, she's going to honor it. Like, how does that happen that my word of mouth, my gentleman handshake, my, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, no, things don't work that way anymore. We're in the 20, you know, 2021. I mean, you have to have law written down because she something could happen to her. She could win Powerball and move off to St. John's and live <laughs> a wonderful life. Right. Um, right. And I don't know who the new person is. So we we don't we don't play that way. I'm from a legal background, and everything has to be written and accounted for. And Heather already pointed out their their pamphlet goes off of that. So you have to have the law equal to that. And hey, the college dean is expecting the legislators. To legislate and do the and do the law and do their job and the, and the legislators are saying, well, the dean said it's okay. She's going to honor it. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah, huh? that yeah. Is I'm getting a lot of confusing. Oh well, we some people are like some are oh we support the legislation and then others are oh we can handle it and so working on the language of the law and just and, and amending this legislation, which really is a simple fix and. It is. It is. Just kind of gets rid of that confusion and who's going to do what and policy and et cetera, et cetera. It's it's just a simple fix, and somehow it's turned into not a simple fix, and that's what's leaving Suzanne and I and my friend Colleen just we're all kind of astounded. Well, that's why you know we we talk about all the time, you know, really putting. Um, the policy before politics and, you know, really get in to the nitty gritty of, of doing what's within the best interest of the people, all people. And this is, this could be a prime example of putting aside the party affiliation because it has nothing to do. It's not a Republican issue. It's not a democratic issue. It's not an old people issue. It's a human rights issue that should be resolved and should be settled. And so we can move on. It's just talking about being inclusive. And, you know, I know myself, I have two children, you know, that were born, you know, with disabilities and, you know, you guys are setting precedent for me because you're, you're having me think about what's to come in the future. I have a seventh grader. So this is going to be, you know, something that I have to look out for and be mindful when it's ready for her to make that transition um, into college. And this is why your work is so important. And, you know, even, you know, for people who are not, you know, specifically educated in this field or, you know, this is a, a isn't really an area of interest. I think that it strikes it, it strikes a chord with any person like, wait a minute, we have to include every, everybody has, should have a have a bite at the apple. And it's about making that legislative possible um, to do that and, and make sure, you know, this is why it's important that they have a seat at the table. This is why when we're writing policy, every person, every color, every. And, and it makes right. And it makes me wonder in hindsight, as I'm, as I'm new to this process, but I'm learning a lot mm-hmm. about how politics works, I guess, in Rhode Island. We're learning together. And I want Right. I wonder how this happened. And I, I would like to know, were persons representing the disability community at the table 
in these discussions. I don't think that's possible. Of, I don't think mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was possible when I read. Well, we don't know for sure. I feel like if that wasn't the case, and another simple solution to help with this this situation and anything in the future is to make sure that there's representation in the in the dialogue of the discussion. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing that Heather, before when Monique was talking about that she wasn't aware of this, I can only imagine how many parents who are working there's in, in Providence, we have um, a lot of single moms. The community is pretty much the, the black females that are single moms. There's 60% on the poverty level. They're working two jobs, you know, struggling to make ends meet. They don't have time to get into this. And so I'm looking at, you know, we look at the, the, the black community and they're not having the representation, the Latino community, they're not having it. So a lot of these kids aren't even getting into this program because like Heather said earlier, well, I have a disability. I'm not even going to try and I don't know anything more who to ask. So eh, I'll become a mechanic or whatever it is. I think it's criminal to put something out there um, and not, when you know, when you, when you, when you learn of something, you then have to do what's right, right? right. You then have to take it and fix it. When you don't, it's intentional. And that's when there's a problem. So this is what Heather and I don't understand. This is like a hangnail, like just go cut it and fix it. It's becoming big. and, And when you make it this way, I get aggravated like Heather does. And so now I'm going to start calling our Congress people who have disabilities as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to make this a bigger deal. We don't need to do that. Um, the representative Chippendale, who also has a disability, he's been amazing. And mm-hmm. he is all over this. And he doesn't understand either. Why is this such a big deal? Right. Um, right. It shouldn't be. Right. Because so, the program itself is wonderful. I, it, it could be a really wonderful program. Yeah. The, the intent, we look at intent. The intent behind it is wonderful. It's a great, wonderful pop, uh, opportunity for our children. Um, it can only enhance their lives. Let's just make it equally accessible. That's all you're saying. You're, you, mm-hmm. it, and, and, and things, you know, just like anything, when it's brand new, there's going to be some tweaking and there's going to be some revisions and they're going to be, you know, right. some readjustments and that's okay. But let us be heard and do what's right on the right side of, for the people and for our children. My God, our future. So absolutely, what you guys are doing is is amazing. And, um, you know, I just, anything that I can do, you know, to, to make this known and to get this out there. Um, any, how can the community help be a part of this this movement of, of changing this legislation? What can we do? What can Heather, Heather started... Heather started a Facebook page, which is great, um, and she'll talk about it. Yeah. You going to talk uh, about it? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. All right. First of all, I want to give a like Suzanne said, I want to give a shout out to Mike Chippendale as part of the background story of this. He is a legislator that I reached out to. He's our representative here in Gloucester, and I was in shock i reached out to him and then within a couple hours he responded back amazing wait a minute what that's amazing what's happening that's amazing explain this phone conversation he did some research and his mind was blown and i think he thought it was going to be a simple fix too so that's the background on that so the first step was uh, i created a petition and a really 
simple step for anybody. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you're not directly impacted by this. If you care, you mm-hmm. sign the petition to right. share it. That's great. Uh, two, there you could reach out to representative, anybody in the General Assembly, senators or House representatives, and email your leaders and just say that you were, you support this because there's the legislation is called making Rhode Island accessible. Let me know what the name is exactly. Yeah, so, so there's two bills. Uh, just just so everybody knows that the Senate bill is S79, um, and this and the House bill is 5224, and that's to make it permanent in Rhode Island as a scholarship. That both of those are the initial ones, so they should have the language. But the one that Chippendale has is Bill um, Number 5605 in the House. Go ahead, Heather. Finish. Fantastic. I love that you have like, you're the best to work with in this. Anyway, uh, so emailing, calling your leaders, that would be fantastic. Signing the petition and sharing would be great. And what would be even more helpful is if people come forward and testify. So Suzanne's going to build off me in a minute because she knows the details a lot more. Basically, you go in front of the House of Representatives or the state mm-hmm. senate and education yeah virtually because this is the pandemic world and you you sign up and when you get called you have an opportunity to speak or maybe read a statement supporting this legislation and this can again be anybody anybody who cares can right. do this right what would be really great is if words can get out and other people who've been impacted by this directly in the past right now or will be in the future, if they could reach out to Suzanne or I, that'd be fantastic too. Suzanne, can you hop on that? Cause you know, the, yeah. How, how that would so, so the other, the other thing too, when Heather was saying that people can hop on, I mean, it shouldn't be just parents that have children with disabilities it, or, and or students. So if you have a family that has a disability, sure, everyone in the family should do it. Um, but if you're a taxpayer mm-hmm. or you're a person that has ethics, or a moral compass, Mm -hmm. you should look at this and say, yeah, that's not right. I mean, the person in the wheelchair really should have a ramp to get in that building. That's right. Um, It's the same thing with this. It's the same damn thing. So it's simple. But what you're going to do is you're going to go before the House Education Committee and you're going to speak before them from home. So you would sign up. It's typically, we, we let everyone know. So if you join up with the Rhode Island What's the name of the um, Facebook page? I forget now. Half the Rhode Island Promise Scholarship. That's it. So if you sign up there, and um, what you do is you put in that if you're going to write in testimony, you would do it the day before. Um, You can testify, I think it's four hours before on the Senate side. On the House side, it's the morning before by 11 o'clock. Um, but we post the agenda. We'll post whatever it is. There's, like we said, three bills. Um, essentially, we'd like to see it in the original bills because those are the permanent ones. Um, Chippendale doesn't care. Representative Chippendale doesn't care. He just wants it fixed. He doesn't care if it's their bill, his bill. He just wants ethically what's done right mm-hmm. for the children. So um, this really affects everyone. I mean, it's taxpayers. Your money is going into it. You're paying $6,000 for each student to be educated. The special ed kids are only using $3,000. Um, the whole funding of this and that 
oh, transparency of where the money's going, who's overseeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, all mm-hmm. that stuff is a separate conversation. We could probably have another day. I'd love to. Um, we're going to have <laughs> yeah. because there's often there we need to discuss. Yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Monique, and and giving us the forum to allow us to do this because so many people don't know. And just being at home on Facebook, you know, everybody, the the 50-year-olds, 40-year-olds, they're on Facebook, you know, looking through. And these are the kids that are going into high school um, or will be. Your middle schoolers, they're going to be doing this. We want to fix it now before they get there. Right. Well, that's It's my pleasure. It, It really is my pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Monique. So go ahead, use and I just want to add that I was reading the report from the Rhode Island Promise Program to um, the State Assembly, and we're going to get into that, most of it, at a later date. However, one of the things that they're countering is a lot of people aren't finishing in two years. Right. That mm-hmm. the average uh, you know, time frame to graduate with an associate's degree is actually three years across the country. And some of that is what Suzanne spoke to in regards to remedial classes, having to go to college and take those classes to actually be college ready, right? So when I read through this report, anybody can find it, it's called the Evaluation of the Rhode Island Promise Program, April 2020. There's a couple of things I want to point out real quick, because I think it should be addressed in the language of the legislation. Mm-hmm. So the legislation has a section where they require a report out, and there's key questions. So every amount of time, the college needs to give these numbers, who's in the program, who, what's the success rate, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's very detailed and broken down. However, there isn't any information in regards to students with disabilities using the Disability Center. They go into detail about you know, how many people are able to make it two years or three years and what the dropout rates are, but we don't know how many of those were students with disabilities. There's no information on it. Right. Which right now we've had people coming forward to us and wait and raising their hand going, wait a minute, this is happening to me. And to me, that's, you know, being, being, you know, a graduate in, in public policy and administration to me, that is a problem for me because it's the numbers that drive the policy. It's the numbers that we can look back at and say, okay, well, this is successful or this is not successful. And this is where the revisions come in. And this is where we kind of curtail things to fit the need of the issue or the need of the people. So that type of transparency where we're, we're talking the, 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 the stats and the data is so, so important because it speaks values to what is truth. You know, they, it's just it's saying that, there's a saying that, that people don't, uh, numbers don't lie, people do. So these are the numbers. This is what it is. And this is how we can fix it. And this is why it needs to be fixed because of these numbers that it's not adding up. When I think about a program not, you know, not having a, a, a huge success rate, that's going to lead me to think, well, gee, we got to go back to the drawing board. We need to make some changes so that way it's it's we can have a higher completion rate. That something, you know, is a little off. I think about my college days. And but let me tell you, I took more than two years to complete um, community college. I I just took more than two years to do that. Um, So I couldn't even imagine a child who, you know, this is their first year into the world. And then they have, you know, they they have their disabilities and are trying to work around that. There's accommodations that are made. So, you know, it's just really, really important. One of of the things um, that I noticed about. When I was talking to Kids Count Rhode Island, they are a national um, 
data collection advocacy group, and they had given, they had shared some information which was riveting, and they said that um, seventy one percent of the students enrolled in remedial coursework did not complete college ten years after starting high school. So that's really, really important to know. You know, we're, we're looking at, they want kids to complete college and they're putting up this barrier for kids that are able to do this. I mean, intellectually, they're able to do this. They just need a few accommodations. So that's right. That's right. I don't, we don't understand what, why they're keeping this barrier there. Why make it so difficult for people with disabilities? Right. You know, so, yeah, I'm going I'm going to pat myself on the shoulder and use myself as a live example and say that I'm about to complete my master's degree. I am an adult with disability. Thank you. I started, it took me probably four years total to complete community college. I had accommodations. I also had life disruptions. And at the age of 40, I'm finally almost there. Do I feel like I'm less value? I'm about of no value to society? No. Do I feel like I'm going to produce and contribute good things to society? Yes. So does that mean it took me longer and I'm not worth it? Right. And I'm right. saying that about other students with disabilities. So I just don't, I don't understand the concept of this requirement for time frame especially if typical students aren't even achieving their associate's degree in three years. Right. 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 So it's, it's, yeah. it's making an untangible goal. And this is yeah. why when it, when it comes to accessibility, we have to make sure that it's tangible across the board, that it's, mm-hmm. it's intangible, not because you're not trying or you're not, you're talking for the average, the regular ch- child who has no issues at all, learning disabilities at all, that they're not obtaining this within this time frame right is it definitely there there has to be some type of revision and this is you know why it's so important that everybody get involved to really make this possible for that change because like i said it's a human rights issue it's it's not we, we all have to care about what's happening you know absolutely i mean why are we fighting for civil rights in this area still i mean ada passed this how long ago you know, this is the fight that we as parents with children with disabilities have fought for years in the public education d- department. We're not looking. I mean, I was shocked to have a college student starting out that, oh, my God, I thought everything was done. Here I am again. I have to start this over again and, and fight with her. He's only he's, oh, He was only in like three weeks. And I'm like, I can't believe that this isn't established already. Right. Right. It's amazing to me. And it, exactly. And it makes me wonder, too, about how long this problem has been around mm-hmm. or this issue. Is it, is it, did we just now bring it to people's attention? I mean, there's a lot of questions around this that I want how to many get to pe- eventually. How many people are out there that feel defeated? How many people who, you know, were forgotten about or left out or didn't even attempt to try because they looked at the requirements of the completion and just felt like, I can't do this. So they didn't even bother to apply, even though they're entitled to it. This is something that Rhode Island has made um, accessible. For children, for, right. for all college students. So it's it's kind of like you dangling, you know, a piece of steak in front of my face and I'm just right. so, I'm, I'm starving. You know, I should have 
the uh, ability to uh, have that accessibility to it. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is too, these these kids know they're different. Like they've known uh, from day one, they, they know they're different than their counterparts, right? And so they go through school, they get into college, and they expect to see, you know, they know that there's a disability center that helps them, but there's nothing in the verbiage. I mean, some of these kids are smart and they actually want to know. Um, one of the parents, her son is a strong advocate, Colleen's son, and he's very bothered that there's no recognition to people in his classification. Right. How come they didn't, you know, take into account? Um, and so when you're dismissive of a type of classification or a people, you know, it's all that civil rights thing. It's like, again, we're in 2021. Mm-hmm. Why are we still having this conversation? It, um, it, it's, it takes people like you and Heather and, you know, all the activists out there to really bring this to the attention. I mean, I'm sure there's all those who are listening right now, you know, probably never thought of this being such an issue or, you know, a mom at home right now who has a young child who isn't yet at that level. Like I said, you're going to set president. This is why I really this is a personal issue for me. But you're going to set president to really say, wait a minute, you're not going to forget about our children. You're not going to forget about them they matter and we're going to make sure that they're included and we have to make sure that the law this is the law this is this is the 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 infinite print of our society we're going to make sure that this law is including them and it's up to us to be that voice because it's kind of like a child things are going to be let go or dropped off the wayside if we let it things are going to just continue to happen the way that they've been happening if we look the other way it takes people to really come together and say I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. And I'm going to join in on this fight to make it right. Because it's not going to be just my child. My child will not be the first. It won't be the last. There will be another one. Right. Well said. I mean, and this is not about money either, because the, the money factor, actually, we're, we're, at, we're not seeing the money. So the money's going somewhere. They're only using half the money. Um, so it's not like we're asking for money. There's nothing associated with it. Right. It's just the federal government gives wow. gives some a thirty four for every dollar Rhode Island contributes. So, but the financial stuff, yes, exactly. And that's a big thing. Going back to what Monique said at the very beginning. So, if you're receiving federal funding, right. you have to be inclusive to those groups of people, and they're right. not. Right. And you have to be in compliance. You have to be in compliance, compliance. with the with the federal right. mandates that state you have to have do X, Y, and Z to receive these federal funds. So that's another whole girl. That's another whole show yeah. because, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking you about, know, you don't think, you know, the thing is you don't think that the, 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 the Dean of at CCRI is looking at this going, Oh my God, you know, they're right. She already knows we're right. Like she already is expecting the legislators to do what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and, and that's the right thing. So it concerns us that we hear from them and they're saying, yeah, we're okay with it. We got the nod or the handshake or we can the, the verbal. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's a couple other things taken into consideration. See, that's, the, that's kind of a contradiction Sorry. though, because if they don't fix that within the law, how do right. they expect for other institutions, other other entities to to make that change when they're going to say, well, we're following the law. This is how the law is written. So without it being corrected at the legislative level, 
This is going to keep happening with another institution or another uh, situation. You but, have to set precedent. But she knows the law is written wrong. She knows it's not right and not in compliance. And that's why she said, I will definitely make sure that I accommodate. Right, Heather? Right. So I want to just point out that we're not the only state that has a promise scholarship. There's a lot of right. other states that do it. We're in right. the process of researching and reaching out to them to know if they've encountered the situation and what their language is, uh, how they're tracking data, et cetera. And another problem that we're running into when I speak to people, and I'm not going to name names, but some people in power positions or people in everyday conversations, and there's really kind of this ableist mindset where, okay, well, if they can't complete the degree in two years, then they're not worth anything anyway. So why invest? I have seen that in comments on the news article that was posted. I've had discussions. Well, you do realize that the Rhode Island Promise Scholarship is meant to encourage, you know, on-time completion to produce work quality workers to help our economy. Okay, so what do you say that if it takes longer, you're not going to be a quality worker? These are the things that we're encountering. Right. And I guess it's just kind of opening my eyes to a lot of stuff. Because as Suzanne points out, I've been fighting for my kids since the beginning. I have right. two children with disabilities. Right. Monique, I know you get it. Yes, I do. And I guess, I don't know, I guess I thought at this point in life and transition yeah. that maybe it'd be a little easier. Right. <laughs> maybe it gets harder. And there's a lot of ableist mindset out there. Yeah. Even some of the official communication is saying, well, you know, they can get, we, we have, there are students with disabilities who are doing it in two years without any problems. That's great because not everybody with a disability is the same. It's kind of like saying everybody with autism is the same, right? right. That's not true. Right. right. Different brushes, there's different levels. I, I don't understand. The fact that that could even be said shows the 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 non understanding the 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 misconception of what disability say, is right. for, for somebody right. to even I, say that right right and some of it you know I think in communications and stuff on the official level and this whole policy and changing the law I don't think it's done with malice I don't think it's done of course with so. hate right I don't think people understand what they're saying right and how it's coming across. And that's where this discussion and this change in law and whatever we do in the future, hopefully we're going to get conversation going about how to think about students with disabilities or persons with disabilities and kind of change the mindset that they're not worth anything, which is kind of what I feel like we're getting. Our students, our per- people with disabilities, like myself, we're not worth anything. Not worth investing in. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's important that we have this dialogue, that we speak about and keep continue these conversations and this dialogue because it's it's these types of conversations and this type of coverage that is going to make other people who haven't even thought of it, not even like you said, because they're be, trying to be malice or they're trying to, you know, have ill will. But just because they aren't thinking about because people really only think about what affects them in their lives. Unfortunately. Right. And it takes most most people it, it, it takes people to oh, remind people that hey right. over here right. i i have this issue and i exist and we need to fix this we need to rectify it and that's why it's about being involved even if, the, if this doesn't personally affect you you know that's like me you know me collecting signatures for gay rights i'm not gay 
But I believe that every good person should have the right to marry and, and to love the way they want to love. It's the same thing. So it's about mm-hmm. the human decency behind it and, and to understand that even though we are, we are all different, we are really one in the same. And we have to create a law that understands that. We have to make sure that the law is upholding what it's supposed to do, that it's supposed to be inclusive and, and, and um, really cognizant for every situation. And, and it's going to take work. Right. And, and it's not a, uh, what they say, it's not a uh, sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. Like you said, you've been fighting for your daughter her whole life. Brianna, she she just turned 18 years 18. old. 18 yeah. years old. So the battle yeah. is not, it's not over. And we just, we need more people that's going to be on board to to really fight with us to to make this happen. And like to me, it's personal to me because you have me thinking about things that I haven't had to think about, you know? So it's, it's so I, important. I, I love that you say that because in my discussions with really amazing people that we've been working with and have come forward to help and between us is this conversation to me is a launching platform of these kind of issues as mm-hmm. a whole. Yes. Adults mm-hmm. with disabilities, education of students with disabilities. This is just the beginning. So let's come together mm-hmm. and make sure that the right thing happens and the right thing follows federal law and state law in regards to civil rights of people with disabilities. Right. And then we start bringing in the right the people together who are talking and continue these conversations. Okay, well, now we did the Promise Scholarship and we made sure it's accessible. What else needs to get done? What's next? <laughs> What's right. next? What's next? That's why I, I'm so excited to be on board of, of this project and to really, it, it starts small like this. And like you said, this is the opening of further conversations and further issues of, of that is in dire need of attention. And I think it's also a reminder that not everybody can do everything, but everyone can do something. And it could be as simple as... Mm-hmm. Doing an email. It could be as simple as signing the petition. It could be simple as sharing the document, sharing uh, the Facebook or inviting other people to be a part of this group and, you know, setting a word. It could be something so simple. And that's what it's about to remind people. Yep. Some things just take a minute. We're not asking a lot. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what other further conversations could be had in regards to this and what, what are what are the next steps? What are we what are we doing from here? What's on the what's on the calendar in regards to uh, this promise scholarship? Heather, do you want to say what you're going to do? I mean, I have a plan for this week of what I'm doing. So let Heather tell you what she's doing first. Go ahead. So we would be on here forever if we went into detail of everything that we're doing. <laughs> snippets, we're little snippets. Day, the parents and the adults with individual disabilities. Uh, and we kind of take tasks. So right now I've asked people and the group to email the House of Representatives, people, their, their representative, just saying that you support the legislation. Uh, and then I'm constantly reaching out, asking people to sign the petition, et cetera. For me and Suzanne, we are calling people from different advocacy agencies, law offices, I mean, you name it, anyone we think who has a who's a stakeholder or would have a voice that would be really influential in helping us get this done. That's what we do. And then we're also uh, diving for data. So if we have another podcast about this, we'll discuss some of the information we've already found about the numbers. Oh, you bet. You better believe it. 
Yeah. And we'll have more. We'll have more in, in like another probably week to two weeks. Um, where sorry, Heather, I didn't mean to sabotage what you were saying. But I, I have um two parents, uh, a mom and a daughter that are doing community work, and they're looking. I've given them all the, the the states that are currently have these programs, and I want them to go in and look specifically for ADA language, which is um going to cover the the children, the students with disabilities. We're also looking to find out what the oversight groups are. So they usually have a committee that does oversight um, and kind of, you know, just kind of brainstorms and looks at the programs that they have going on when it pertains to the scholarships, the different areas, looks at the funding. We need a CPA. We need like a voice from each, the student with disabilities and the student not with disabilities. Um, We need two legislators. Like we need a group. So we're looking at those different things um, in other states. <clears throat> to bring to Rhode Island. Um, unfortunately, they haven't done the research that I would have liked to see up, up at the state house. So we're more than willing and we have the parents that are able to do that and that's great. Um, but Heather's right, we need to have the petition signed, which we post, she's, she's always posting. Um, she has templates for letters that people can do, which are very easy. Uh, of course, having having um testimony is always good but um yeah people should really get involved because you know it might not be you but it might be your grandchild it might be your next door neighbor who has this issue and 20 percent of the people of the taxpayers have a disability right we don't all talk about it we need to take the stigma away and this is one of the things that mainstreams it into the legislation make it very easy to be inclusive i think yeah and i think it also having this conversation about the language and legislation and make sure that it is, you know, follows the law is not discriminatory. I think that also sets precedent to make sure we don't continue to do that. Right. 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 There should right. be some kind of disability oversight committee or discussion going yeah. on with the past. One. Is this, you know, is this legal? Is this fair? Is this, is this support equity? And I think Suzanne also made another good point. We could use volunteers to help us with some of our research and data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can how can all all the listeners out there and you don't have to be like she said before, specifically from Rhode Island, if, you know, all those research savvy students out there or people uh, who want to be involved, how can they reach you? Is is there an email address or a way that they can reach you, Heather and and Suzanne? Yeah. How would you like to be contacted? Yeah. I'm email. Both on Facebook. Yeah. Both on Um, Facebook. Um, We can also, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Give your email address if you want. I mean, we can post it underneath your podcast. We'll just post our information so people can access it. But it is good for high school students if they want to do um, get community service. If a college student wants to to do something like this, how interesting would that be? Um, You know, it's not something on the news that you hear about all the time. It's a little different. Uh, Again, 21st century. Here we are still arguing about civil rights, you know. Um, so we could do that, right, Heather? Yeah. So I'm just going to, you can find me through me, Heather Kennedy at mediate.com. And then you can just go on that and message me. And then I'll just say my other email real quick, which is HMK puzzled, P-U-Z-Z-L-E-D parents at gmail.com. Okay. Well, I guess I should add mine. So mine is, um, decoding D-E-C. You know what? I'll give my easy one. Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E dot 
Arena, A-R-E-N-A, 630 at gmail.com. So, it, so there you, not funny. So there you have it, you guys all out there, anyone out there who's tuned in and listening, who want to be a part of this important passing of this important legislation and what this means we for our children. You. What this means for our children going forward, and um, you have the information to be involved. I'm personally involved. Um, Heather is a dear friend of mine, and um, it's it's a personal issue for me. And, you know, I'm always down for anything that has to do with civil rights and, and advocacy um, and uplifting one another. And this is another good way to we come together. This is another good way we put aside all the shenanigans of all this party crap and just say, you know what? We're humans, and I'm going to stand up for what's right under the law and to be protected in the protections under the law and make sure people uphold the law. Make sure that, you know, the, the, the right. stakeholders who, who are involved and have their hands like this out to receive that federal funding are actually um, in compliance. So there's a lot of different pieces. I am excited to, you know, have further podcast in the future to talk about the progression of this legislation because you know i'll be be uh, boots on the ground uh with this project but um you know just really keeping the people up to tune of what your needs are how we can assist you guys going forward because you guys are are really our champions um to to make this an issue you could easily just say oh well i got 50 million other things to do i have children to raise i have work to do i got things to do i'm too tired um but you guys are really our champions that you keep Keep on keeping the fight, even though you're still having to deal with everyday life issues and stuff. So I want to personally thank you both um, for the advocacy work that you do and what that means for our children and our future going forward. And it is, it is a pleasure for me to know you both and to be partnering with you both. So I thank you both for being on my show. Um, we got a bad. Thank you. Thank you for being us and listening because that's, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. You validated us. You validated us with everything. And that's amazing. And that's what Up Close is all about. I really want to be the voice for the voiceless and to speak to those or let people be heard who've been forgotten. Whatever that issue is, the issues that are not being spoken about, I want to speak about them. I want to put an ear and a voice and a face to these situations or or to the issue. Um, So we got about five minutes left about of this segment. Is there? Do you have any last words that you guys want to say to any uh, listeners out there? I think gist, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, one of the one of the biggest things is sharing. So sharing your podcast, sharing the information because what's happening in our state can happen in your state. Because right. not all, all the states have this scholarship program. And it's a great it's a great thing. We just have to perfect it, right? We have to look at what's been done. Some states have been doing this since 2007. Actually, Georgia's been doing this for much longer, yeah. a lot longer. And wow. and they have education dollars that go specifically that are spearheaded into, into a fund. We don't in Rhode Island. I don't know about Massachusetts and how you work, but there needs to be a specific way that you have this the money earmarked to go into an account. Um, and only for education dollars. So um, that's part of the problem. But anyhow, it, it, it is an issue for all states, I think, to look at, especially ones that, does, that don't have what we have here. Right. And just making exactly. sure that the legislation upholds the law. It, it has me thinking about 
things on all, all different types of levels, even if it's not specifically this named scholarship program, but any type of scholarship program or any type of public entity, we have to make sure right. that, that, that the legislation is, is backing that. And then that it is inclusive to all, you know, that's, that's what it's yeah. about. Right. In a hole because this got my mind has been spiraling going, well, wait a minute. What about other scholarships? Right. And, you right. don't get money, but what if? Right. And I don't know what the answer is. I get there has to be some kind of balance. I get there needs to be some level of achievement. But then how do we look at that level of achievement where it's on par if somebody needs more time? There's so much more that we need to talk about and the country needs to think about for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely correct. It's so important. Um, it's just a conversation that we need to have and we need to continue to have, you know. Um, once again, I want to thank you guys for being on the show. And I can't wait to work, you know, work forward with this passing of this legislation. And, and you know, and uh, I'll be sure to give any updates if we need any volunteers in the physical body form um, to do any work or anything that you may need. So, um once again, thanks for being yeah. on the show. And um, thank you all for thank tuning you. in to Up Close thank with Monique McNeil. Until next time, God bless and take care. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, drives right after